sure the third, I know Jonathan isn't really a thing, but I still say it sometimes, and it's like, you know, when I messed up, whatever, welcome to Shaken and Disturbed, (laughs) right? I mean, like, that's just how we should start it off, I guess. Sure. I mean, you didn't mess up. If anything, you know, you have the license, the creative license to call me, frankly, whatever you want. We've talked about this before. Well, that's true. And you did think that I shortened my last name. To, from Carpenter. Uh, do we have we talked about that on the show? I don't even remember. I think we have, and uh, thank God. <laughs> I think thank God our listeners are, have been loyal with us all the way through. But that's right. I remember just being like, "Why would I shorten my last name?" And you were like, "So yeah, yeah." <laughs> so here's what happened. Basically, when Darren and I first became friends, um, I don't know what was in my head. I have no idea, but I. We were we started currently. This is what it was. So we had been friends for a little while, actually. And we uh, were doing currently, which was our first ever podcast many years ago. And it was, um, you know, an all topics podcast. We talked about pop culture, our lives. It was just something fun for us to do at that point. And I had the artwork made um, and I included our name on the front. And it said currently... Uh, from or by or whatever John Thrasher and Darren Carpenter and um, obviously that's not your name right and um, right. did not quite understand to why be fair, or it's how half, it's half my name and it's my initials it is half yeah it's yeah, half. yeah it's half yeah so I don't know what came over my head to think that that was like your name was like shortened and by the way who who shortens their last name so I don't know. It, anyway, we got it all cleared up, and years later, we're still friends. So that's what matters most. I mean, we—he thinks we're friends. I haven't. I, I don't want to confirm or deny this. I'd like to keep. You know, allegedly, yeah. we're friends. There's no evidence of this allegedly. at all. Allegedly, yeah. Um, allegedly. But I am still in Los Angeles today, and I am missing that's you. That's right. And uh, I, well. I, 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 I need you to come back into New York. I'm coming back on Friday, so <laughs> okay. Get your ass over right. here. I know. I've been trying to make plans to get up there, and you know, I'm going to be in Maryland through the summer at least. So um, I will be back in New York eventually. But Darren, before we keep going, I do need to ask you: Uh-oh. you were in LA with your father, but everyone wants to know, as that's listening, as their you being as their me. father. Yes. How was your Father's Day? Well, I wanted to say thank you for all the lovely wishes. Um, <laughs> it was a glorious day. You know, my dad just just. In all, in all sort of joking and seriousness aside, part of it yeah. is that my dad is just, he's just not a holiday guy. Like he just, okay. he doesn't care about birthdays. He doesn't care about Christmas. He's like, if you're thinking of me and you want to get a gift, get a gift. But otherwise, like, sure. you don't need to. Like he's just, he's just your, when I say typical dad, typical I mean, it's just dad. like, yeah, no, it's just like dad yeah. behavior to me. Like, you know, that's just like, that's you know, <laughs> right. right. And so I was like. I said to him, oh, happy Father's Day, because I rarely get to be with him on this day. You know, I was like, happy Father's Day. And he goes, that's right. He goes, it's Father's Day. I go, yeah. And I, go, Aww, I go, happy Father's Day. And he goes, Dad. oh, OK, thank you. And I was like, yeah, cool, 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 cool. Uh, and then I got all these really nice emails on my Facebook about it being Father's Day. And I was like, well, someone appreciates the damn holiday around here. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but no, yeah. I, I had a very I had a very nice Sunday and. My parents met my brother's girlfriend's parents, so that was really nice. So it was a little bit of the meeting of the minds, which was very special. And we're still out in LA, kind of all hanging. It's nice to have some family time. Did you do anything to celebrate Father's Day? 
<laughs> um, you know, I texted my dad. My, my dad, similar to yours, is not a big holiday person right. either. So, right. you know, we had our, we had our little typical text exchange. I wish them all the best and love each other and blah blah blah. Um, but not to move off of you too quickly because I do want to mention though one of my favorite things I saw on Father's Day was one of our listeners posted a card that was like something about like you hope your father's day is as good as a carp or something it was oh like oh my god it was all... amazing it i'm was... gonna look it up right now because it was just that good um i would look it up it right just now made me laugh. i spilled my beer so i'm cleaning that up as he looks <laughs> if you hear my feet flipping flapping i apologize oh, yeah. i found it okay good. well Read you it. clean up that beer yes um oh our friend denise anthony who came to our boston show and brought us uh drinks that we drank on stage thank you denise we do love you um she found a card that said holy carp dad it's father's day and i'm like could there have been a better card for you, Darren? Yeah. Like, I really don't know. It has your last name, which we have established as not Carpenter. It includes Dad. It includes Father's Day. And it includes a bunch of fish with cute hats on it. I mean... On them. So, that, what the heck? That card mixed with the birthday <laughs> gifts that you got me were... Yes, I mean, well, could I feel more appreciated than I do now? I know, could I right? Possibly, do people could could someone possibly know me better than all of you guys? Absolutely. Not. <laughs> I know it's true. We do have a great uh, fan base and listener base, so thank you guys so much, Darren. What? Let's move us through to the next segment here about what we're drinking, and then we're going to get into today's very kind of odd. Shorter than usual, but odd and disturbing case. Darren, yes. we know what you're drinking. You just spilled it everywhere. Well, um, but do you want to elaborate at all? Okay, John. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's Father's Day. No, uh, I, I know, so sorry. I am not normally, okay, full disclosure, you know, I'm sure. with my parents. Yep. My brother right. usually does the beer buying because my mom okay. gets me vodka because I am the same I'm a creature of habit. Uh, and right, I was going to sure. have vodka today, but it feels a little early because I'm in L.A., so I don't want to get too loopy early. So I was like, I'll have a beer. And my brother is prone to buying uh, IPAs, India Pale Ales, that aren't mm -hmm. my favorite, but I found one that I like. And because I'm in California today, uh, it is a California beer, and it's called Racer oh. 5. Bear Republic okay. Racer 5, and it was it is it is created in Cloverdale, California. So Well damn, look at you celebrating the California love on the West Coast. Yes, I will be sure to put all direct all of my burps directly into the mic <laughs> so everyone knows that I'm oh, being authentic with oh. my beer drinking. What are you drinking today, John? <laughs> Wonderful. Can't wait for that. Um, I actually am drinking, I've tried something a little new, Bailey's in a iced it. coffee. Never had it. Never had it. Bailey's in an iced coffee. And it's actually really good. I was like, I've only ever put Bailey's in, um, I mean, I've had straight, you know, you know me, I like my milky, you know, straight up Bailey's on the rocks. Of course. Um, and I've had it in a lot of the hot coffee I've had over the last couple of months uh, before summer, but it's so hot nowadays. You know, I got to have my iced drink. So here's the sound of it. I'm almost finished it, if I'm being completely honest, wow. but it's really good. Can I'm I enjoying ask, it. Can I ask something that I don't think we've ever talked about? And again, this is, we're going to get into the case in just a second, but it just made me yes, think of yes. it when you had it because I'm trying to introduce this habit. She's listening to this episode, I'm sure, as I'm saying this, but... To get into the habit of taking lactate because Nadine got me into taking lactate because 
adults in general usually are lactose intolerant. And like, I love mm. cheese. I love dairy. I have half and half in mm-hmm. my coffee every morning. So I've started taking it and I've actually noticed a difference. Do you take it? Do hmm. you not care? Do you not have a problem? No. Okay. I- just question. So lactate is that meant to sort of it like breaks? Like, uh, yeah, it's like it's like I guess we stop producing. I could be completely wrong about this, but I think we yeah, tell I think us. we eventually start to like um, degrade the protein that breaks down dairy appropriately, mm. like as opposed to when we're born okay. when we're having you know milk and everything like that. So over time, right. I think that gets that's why a lot of adults can't handle like we're not drinking glasses mm. of milk as adults for the most part. No, definitely not. Um, most of us are. And yeah. so this kind of I guess. Helps process everything. Yes, exactly. Like encourages that protein to act stronger. So, just a question. I, I, it's kind no, of. No, I I'm love new it. to it, but I just wanted to know if it helps other people. That's and it all. works for you. It helps you kind of like eat things and drink things better. Yeah, and it's it's not like yeah. it's not like you know like oh my god I was so sick before and now I'm not. But I definitely don't sure. feel as like bloaty and saying. gross. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's interesting. I am not, I, as far as I know, I'm not lactose intolerant, and but I don't, I don't really eat a lot of dairy or drink a lot of dairy. You're not an um, ice cream but, guy or anything. Oh, wait, oh. yes, I am. Oh my, how but, he changes his tune, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is, when it comes to milk and even cheese, like I love cheese, but I know not to eat too much of it because it's frankly not good for you. But yeah, you're right about, especially in the summer, I'm an ice cream girly, so to speak. So I don't know. I have to look into that, but I don't have any major, like, I don't feel as far as I can think of any like effects from that, but I will think about that. And it's a good thing. It's a good note to give to our listeners, Darren, quite frankly, we're looking out for everyone's health as well. We deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies and why, especially when it comes to something we take every day. Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms your body can actually use. I've been using Ritual for a couple of months now, and I really, really love them. These multivitamins are tailor-made for me and my lifestyle, and they come available for every person in every lifestyle. What more can you even ask for when it comes to a multivitamin? A multivitamin should contain key nutrients and forms your body can actually use to help fill gaps in the diet. No shady extras. So Ritual's delayed release capsule design delivers high quality nutrients, including vitamin D3, in just two daily pills. Instead of your body getting rid of all the good stuff, Ritual actually stays and works. And don't worry, you can take a break from the orders as well. Your multivitamins are delivered to your door every month with free shipping always. You can start, snooze, or cancel your subscription anytime. And if you don't love Ritual within your first month, they'll refund your first order. Get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com shaken to start your ritual today. So Zach Bowen was born in Los Angeles in 1978 and moved to New Orleans in the mid-90s. At 18 years old, Zach met 28-year-old stripper Lana Shupak. The two married and had two children together, a son and a daughter. And in May of 2000, at the age of 22, Zach enlisted in the Army, where he served in Iraq and Kosovo in a as a military policeman. Um, during his arm, By the way, I, I have all 
all these like warm, fun memories when we talk about New Orleans because of you. Because of when we went to CrimeCon a few years ago, like, I don't know. There's a lot we could talk about with New Orleans because we had a lot of fun that that weekend. Um, but New Orleans is just a warm place in my heart, Darren, because of you. It makes me think of you in so many ways and getting just like, <laughs> just the house we were at. Remember at my friend's house and just like <laughs> yeah, you yeah. came later. It was just a great time. We had a great time. I mean, we like, yeah, I came over to the house, which was so fun. We were all drunk. Then I think that was that the same night we went and got food, you and I, and we were just like, in this random place full of people at like two o'clock in the morning eating and we were both drunk correct correct you know yeah that was yesterday yeah yeah for the history books for the history books well during his army career zach earned several medals including the nato medal and the presidential unit citation which is a commendation given to military units that have performed a heroic act in the face of an armed enemy so this guy seems pretty courageous pretty um pretty tough you know if for lack of a better word yeah um he's clearly a decorated military person well, Zach and Lana separated soon after his general discharge from the army. After returning home to New Orleans, Zach, uh, Zach's good looks and charming personality made it easy for him to find bartending work in the busy French Quarter, which, as I said, Darren and I were drunk in just a few years it's, ago. It's a bustling uh, quarter if you've ever been yeah. to a, a quarter. The French Quarter is, happens to be the best, yes. Yeah, I went to New Orleans. The first time I went to New Orleans was in high school because we had a band trip to New Orleans and we performed um, in Jackson Square, which is near the French Quarter and or in the French Quarter. I don't even really know. And then we performed at the Superdome because it was like the Sugar Bowl was happening that weekend. And so they had a ton of like high school bands come and perform. And it was so fun. It was like a thrilling uh, you know, week in New Orleans doing all kinds of fun stuff. And this was like two years before Katrina. So. Oh, wow. I mean, there's just so much yeah, culture like and life yeah. and beauty in New Orleans. I'm just a big fan of yeah. it. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Um, that's a great way to put it. The culture there. Oh, yeah. I could, I wish I lived there sometimes, Absolutely. but all of this is about Zach. But however, Zach did have a dark side in an interview with New Orleans times, uh, Picayune. Oh my God. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, a co-worker's men- uh, a co-worker mentioned that after a few drinks, Zach would become depressed when recounting his military service, sometimes hinting about an overseas incident involving a child that seemed to have left him haunted. I mean, and it, this is the yeah, yeah I, I just want to say that like I have never served. I I know I know uh, John. You've dated people that have served. Mm-hmm. I have not. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my grandparents served, but I don't have the same experience. But I imagine that you know, certainly coming yeah. home from that fighting or not, just generally being abroad mm-hmm. and serving has to weigh on a lot of people, and it's just so admirable. And so, none of this is overly surprising, um, especially when you like yeah. bec- become become. Uh, inebriated with alcohol i'm sure you know the truth and your sensitivities <laughs> and these things kind of come out and like what haunts you comes out so this this makes sense yeah that it's happening yeah totally and as you mentioned i know i have an ex that was that was and is a marine and many of friends and family members actually it's one of those weird things where it's like you you just put it so well darren it's like you know, you may sign up for the military thinking, oh, you know, they're going to pay my student loans. It's a great way to kind of, um, you know, have a, a career track and some ex- and life experience. And, and obviously the, the ultimate, which is to serve your country. Um, but then, you you know, a lot of these people get put on the front lines of these these wars that we've our, our country's been a part of for 
you know, generations. And whether you, you know, like you just said, whether you were firing guns or not, it can be very haunting. And PTSD is a, it's a real very thing. real thing. Yeah. yeah, that so many people, regardless of if they've ever, quote unquote, pulled a trigger or not, suffer with. And I've seen it very close, very firsthand. Right. And it's not pretty. And that's our little spiel about that. Yeah, as you, we you, you said it better space. than I did. You said it better than I did. But yes. No, no, no. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> we, all, we both have our own thoughts, but I think we're aligned on that one for sure. Well, as he settled back into civilian life, Zach met and became friendly with another bartender, Addie Hall. Now, when Hurricane Katrina struck in August of 2005, Addie offered to hunker down with Zach in her apartment on Governor Nichols Street uh, instead of evacuating the city. Wow. Now, this is this may sound controversial, but if you remember, for those who, who may have been too young, I mean, 2005 was a pretty long time ago at this point. You know, there were there was mass evacuation. There was a likelihood that most people weren't even going to get out of the city. So some people were hunk, quote unquote, hunkering down in the hopes that, you know, it might be the safer option for them. Yeah. And I know even when the, you know, the California wildfires broke out a few years ago. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And somebody said, well, like there's a lot of people. It's just hard to leave your home. It's hard to think of leaving. Sure. You know, yeah, a place whether or not we could all be like, I can't believe they stayed. But like I could I, could, I, I empathize right. with that in a lot of ways. For sure. Yeah. Because, by the way, it's not like we're all faced with natural disasters on a constant basis and we know exactly what to do. I mean, you know, they're few and far between. Well, although not much is known about their relationship before the storm, when it was finally safe to emerge, Zach and Addie were in love and inseparable. So in some ways, this hunkering down... Uh, benefited them in terms of a romantic life. So it's, that's at least something good. It reminded me this part of the sort of the saga of this kind of reminds me of quarantine, how it like made or break some couples, <laughs> that's a good point. you know, and it like yeah, es- either yeah. escalated a lot of that lust or kind of downgraded it quickly. But after the storm, right. the two gained a bit of media attention, partly due to their insistence of riding out the hurricane in the city and partly because they became known for mixing cocktails for their exhausted neighbors and partly due to Addie's proclivity for flashing her breasts at cocktails who oh. drove through their damaged neighborhood. Okay. 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 Whatever it takes to make it through. You well, know what I'm saying? I got to be honest. I mean, listen, I like them mixing cocktails <laughs> for their exhausted neighbors. I think that's very nice. And who doesn't like flashing a cop every once in a while, sure. I guess? Absolutely. Who amongst us, John, have not flashed a police <laughs> officer? But uh, anyway, d- right. during this time, Addie... We'll save that for another time. No, that's way, yeah, yeah, that's that's a different type of shaken yeah. and disturbed. After uh, dark. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, during this time, Addie and Zach, as well as much of their neighborhood, lived as though they were on an extended camping trip, which you can kind of picture it. Hmm. I mean, it's obviously horrible, um, uh, and not fun like a camping trip, but I sort of see the positivity in it. And there, there was no electricity. Yeah. They bartered what they had, booze for what they needed, mm. which was water and food, and focused primarily on survival, as so many of them did. Now, people who knew the couple would later make comments that this lifestyle suited them perfectly. And it was a tragedy for them when they finally had to resume normal life. Oh, my God. She, Imagine that, though. Well, I mean, that's crazy. And it's just funny because it's, well, it's ironic, rather. Like, now, you yeah. know, it's like when the world is right. opening back up again for a year we were all like oh my god i miss hugging people i miss going to bars i miss going to concerts and now people are like oh i don't want to have to go out again i know <laughs> so, i kind of feel that i mean yeah of there's course, a part of me of as everybody knows on the show i'm i'm a quote-unquote hermit but i'm not really i'll be honest i play it up for the show but i like to be out and see people and do yeah. things but yeah there is definitely that part of me that's like i kind of like that there wasn't an expectation that 
we all had to be out running around exhausting ourselves 24-7 because, frankly, that's what a lot of it is, especially, Darren, like, just living in New York City and the expectations and, you know, things that people have to do there just to get by on a day-to-day basis. It's a lot. It's a lot, to be completely honest. Absolutely. And it was always nice to have, like, a perfectly good excuse, you know, that, like, no one could (laughs) argue about. You know what I mean? It's not like you're being lame. It's like, oh, well, yeah, because, like, we could die if maybe we would. Yeah, exactly. So, well, although the pair were able to find some peace within an unquestionably tumultuous situation, they and their relationship were anything but peaceful. Addie was known for being a mean drunk, often physically abusing Zach when in a bad mood and telling her landlord on more than one occasion that she planned to have him evicted from their apartment because she believed him to be cheating on her. Oh dear. So they're one of those couples. Okay. I'm just like one of those people. It's like, as I drink my beer that like alcohol never like helps these situations. I'm not saying it's bad in all situations. I'm just saying, I don't think alcohol has ever really like eased a fight. (laughs) (laughs) No, I wouldn't imagine. Far as I've known. Now, However, yeah. there has never been any evidence to suggest infidelity on Zach's part. We don't know whether there was any reality to her accusations or if they were sort of right. these alcohol-fueled fabrications, if you will. Mm. And likewise, okay. a friend of Zach's reported that he often spoke of getting rid of Addie, and many of their acquaintances attested to the fact that he often spoke of the relationship very negatively. The couple fought. Well, I'm very... So, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm very curious what getting rid of Addie means specifically, but okay. Well, and like we said, like, you know, there is, like getting rid of someone feels more ominous mm. than being like, oh my God, I could kill John today. Like, yeah, you right, know, exactly. like whatever. Yes. And, you know, the couple font constantly, frequently breaking up and getting back together. And let me just say, and I know that sometimes this works. I know that there are exceptions to this rule, <laughs> but usually as someone who has been in these situations before and has also been friends with people who have been in these situations before, right. if you're fighting constantly and getting back together and breaking up and getting back together, it's not working. It's not working, and it could work if you go to therapy. Otherwise, you know... Or spend serious the, time apart. But yes, both those things that in combination, too, yeah, I sure. think, are key. Yeah, but some people, I feel like, you know, they won't know that they need to either spend some time apart or not until they get to therapy, you know what I mean? uh, Agreed, agreed. You know, you and I love telling people to go to therapy. If that's, if that's, you know, we love our drinks, we love our murder, and also go to therapy is is our motto on the show. Well, in the year after Katrina, Zach was arrested for... Remember, it's 2006, possession of marijuana, which is That's, which is a thing. That still happens in 2021, but yes. I okay, know. Yeah, I, I know. And Addie was arrested for aggravated assault after she pulled a weapon on a man walking in the French Quarter. Ooh. Okay, that's a good reason to get arrested. I would think so. Um, possession of marijuana. Give me a fucking break. Yeah. Anyway. Thank you. By September... By, Yes, exactly. By September, by the way, it's completely legal in California, right? So you're just probably enjoying your time out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's legal in New York now, too. (laughs) I mean, granted, we all know that people were enjoying way before it. Of course. But but I think the point is now, I think now it's time for like federally for that to come about. But yes, thank God that some states are being able to kind of um, experiment with it. And and people can sort of see the benefits of it now. I think there's more room for that. There are benefits to it. But I digress on that. Yeah, of course. Yes, again, another episode. You know what? We can talk about that in one of our NMR episodes on on our Patreon sometime. I would love that. Um, Yeah, there we go. Well, by September 2006, Zach and Addie had been evicted from their apartment and moved to 826 North Rampart Street to live in an apartment above the New Orleans Voodoo Spiritual Temple. 
Now this is going to play a big part of what comes next. So the couple appeared normal to their landlord at first. However, by early October, Addie had reached out to him asking that Zach be evicted from the apartment. Now remember she had said, he might be cheating, I want him out of here. I don't know how that works exactly. Like, can you just call like your landlord and be like, can you evict this guy the hell out of my apartment i mean i guess it depends on your relationship with the landlord or if like you're the one paying the rent yeah. like whose name's yeah. on the apartment that i don't know but i imagine if you have yeah. the rights to your apartment i maybe the landlord can step in i don't know well on october 4th she met with the landlord face to face to discuss this request again Addie claimed she had discovered zach cheating on her and told the landlord that she planned to end the relationship and she wanted him out the landlord refused to have Zach removed from the apartment and told her to go home and work it out. When he didn't hear from Addie again, he just assumed that the couple had made up. So that's also kind of weird, too. It's weird that the landlord is, like, giving life advice, but okay, whatever. It is what it is. Although, Those you are know, the details of the case. I do see, to some extent, it being out of the landlord's jurisdiction, so he's just kind of like, right. figure it the fuck out. Go, like, yeah, yeah, out. yeah, right. Yeah. I could kind of see that situation happening. Well... This moment was pivotal in this case because that was the, actually the last time that Addie was seen alive. Because 12 days later, on the evening of October 16th, Zach went out drinking with a friend. He seemed to be in a good mood, even commenting about taking a much-needed vacation. Lord, don't we all yeah, need I was just going to say that. The following evening, around 8.30 p.m. on October 17th, a guest at the Omni Royal uh, Orleans Hotel was sitting at an upper-level lounge when they noticed a body on the roof of the parking deck. I mean, can oh you imagine, God. like, lounging in a hotel and you're like, oh, is that a body down there? Yeah, that would, like, traumatize me in so many ways. I mean, even if, like, it just just seeing it, I think, would be very jarring. Well, tragically, the hotel security cameras were able to confirm that the body belonged to Zach, who had downed a drink and walked back and forth to the rooftop terrace ledge a few times before jumping to his death. Now, okay, let's stop the story here because I think everyone, or at least me, when I was first reading this and I was kind of uncovering yeah. this, thought that the body was going to be Addy. Just because sure. it had been presented of like, oh, this was the last time Addie was seen. Last time we saw The her. landlord yep. had assumed all this stuff. So it's a little bit of a twist and turn that it's actually Zach who appeared to have committed suicide in what we know so far. So, yeah, exactly. Well, Zach's body was badly mangled and covered in cigarette burns, yes. in his, which is like very particular. You don't hear about those types of things in a lot of our stories that we share on this show, at least. In his front pocket were his house keys and a suicide note directing police to the apartment that he and Addie shared. When investigators arrived at the apartment, they found a message spray painted oh on a God. wall. I know, listing Zach's estranged wife's phone number and the message saying, quote, please call my wife. I love her. I'm a total failure. Look in the oven. Please help me stop the pain. This is too much. Quote. This is just like too much of like It's this, a lot. This is like one of those like serious murder mystery clue games where it's like, this it's is what sure. we know. And like, I will say yeah. that to have a suicide note, to be like, go to the house, to find a message, to write there with the estranged ex-wife right. feels to me, from what we know right now, like a setup. It feels it does feel like scavenger hunty to me, right? It definitely okay. does. Okay. Um, it's a lot of direction. You know, do this, do that, look here, look there. Well, in fact, another spray-painted message directed police to the large pots on the kitchen stove. 
Inside one, they found Addie's head. Oh, my God. And in the other were her hands and feet. So now, you know, we're thinking, who did this? And both of them are now dead. Inside the oven was uh, was a basting pan where her arms and legs were sprinkled with some type of seasoning, okay. which is absolutely disturbing. Okay. You all right? You still no, holding I mean, up like, over there? It's so... I mean, obviously, this is a tragedy, but this is just... Yeah. This whole ca- this whole thing that we're covering today, like, I just... I as I was reading it and researching it, and as we're saying it now, like, it's just jarring every time. Like, it's just it so odd. If, if I can't it's even odd think and it's of a better cruel. word for that. Yes. It's just like... I know. It's shaking and disturbing me. I, oh, uh, there you go. Yeah. Good thing we named this podcast that, right? We should have named our podcast that if we hadn't already. That would have been a good idea. Yeah. That would have been a good idea. Well, in some reports, the remains found on the stove and in the oven were all cooked as well, which is also disgusting, to the point of being charred. However, in an interview with ABC News, Chief Joseph Wegspack denied that any of the body parts were actually cooked. On top of the stove was a container filled with chopped vegetables. What? I know it's like such a bizarre so like, like imagery. Yes, you know? it's like what you'd see in like Buffalo Bill on Silence of the Lambs a little bit. Like just totally. yeah, just disturbing behavior. Well, in the apartment, investigators found Zach's journal, which contained more alleged details of the murder. In his notes, Zach stated, "Quote: I killed her at one a.m. Thursday, five November, October. Excuse me. I very calmly strangled her. It was very quick." End quote. You know, I'm kind of of the mind, Darren, having done so many of these shows at this point that I'm like, who really wrote that? Well, let's who get really to the Who really wrote it? And who it, also know? would write very calmly who would write strangled that? her? Yeah. That seems right. so disturbing. If Even if you were just like choked her until the point of death, which yeah, is kind yeah. of what they're saying here. Just like, I very calmly strangled her is eerie as it's sussy is what it is. It's sussy. Well, there you go. There's our word. I think that's going to become our new slogan. It but is. It's sussy. Yeah, very sussy. The note claimed that uh, Zach had strangled Addie to death in the bathtub, had sex mm. repeatedly with her body, mm. and then passed out on the sofa next to her bo- uh, next to her corpse. But police have, have also denied that there's any evidence of necrophilia. So what is being written in these notes allegedly from Zach is not kind of matching up entirely with the crime scene. And so am, we got to keep that in mind. And again, police denying evidence does not mean that there wasn't evidence. I'm not saying that, but it does seem like the type of thing that they would come forward with. And it does seem like the type of thing that you could prove necrophilia. For sure. Oh yeah, totally. So, yeah. And just like, it does seem a little weird for Zach granted from what we know right now, right? He does all these things and it probably kills himself because of the pain. Uh, it mm. seems a little weird to write out like every detail, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, uh, well, more to the story here. Now, the next day, Zach, mo- Zach moved Addie's body to the bathroom where he began to dismember her with a knife and handsaw. It took four days for Zach to decide how to dispose of Addie's remains. And in the meantime, he set the thermostat to a brisk 60 degrees and went about his normal life, which let me tell you something. I sleep in like 62 degree weather. <laughs> okay. So like, I was just going to say that like 60 ain't keeping a body alive. In my opinion, I don't know. I feel like it's got to be like 20 degrees maybe to like, especially preserve. in new Orleans, by the way, uh, let's not forget. Uh, Lord have mercy. Yes. So it's just like, yeah, 
So Zach eventually decided to put some of Addie's body part, Addie's body's part, body parts, wow, in different pots and pans in the stove and oven while the Ugh. remainder of her body was put in a large bag in the refrigerator. Zach then went on to cook the parts of Addie's body that he managed to fit inside the oven, stating that he'd attempted to, quote, separate the meat from the bone, like trying to Ugh. make the evidence easier to get rid of. What my, my thing is so how, where did he state that? Like, why is he giving detailed instructions of how he yeah. did this? Like, that just seems un- not only unnecessary, but odd. But it's also not in line, I feel like, with what a lot of people who have committed suicide after a murder do. They're not sitting down and writing out detailed, you know, notes about that kind of stuff. Oh, they right. might say, like, yes, I killed this person there over sure. here. But they're not like, I set the temperature to this degree. Mm-hmm. You know, like, all that stuff is very bizarre. I wanted to separate the meat from the bone. Like, it just feels yeah, like, so... what? And it's not to say that this couldn't happen. It just, a lot of flares, right. a lot of sussy flares are going up to me, John. Right, sussy flares. Sussy right. flares. Now, however, an autopsy performed on Zach's body showed no signs that he'd engaged in cannibalism and there was no indication in his notes as to what he planned to do with Addie's cooked meat. Uh, Which is like a disturbing detail there as well. But I think what this is also saying is that the autopsy was performed. I'm sure they looked into his stomach and in his frankly digestive system right, and i'd, I'd, I'd and like to think they'd be able to tell whether or not there were human fucking remains exactly. in someone's stomach or not but right you know friends who met with zach during the time between addie's murder and zach's suicide reported that zach seemed to be in a good mood often talking about going on vacation which sort of you know, like he was like that before his suicide like we said when he met friends at a bar you know right, right. after Addie had su- supposedly disappeared all a- accounts indicate that during that time Zach was either writing notes about the crime spray painting notes on his apartment walls to be found later by police or out with his friends drinking and doing drugs I mean listen I'm all about by time the way- management and multitasking but I don't know if this is right <laughs> right right and the other thing is you know Zach's friends are describing him as happy and excited about vacation and typically i'm not saying every time but typically that is not the behavior of somebody who may have been contemplating suicide you know but but sometimes that is what it is let's put it let's let's be honest about that but i think you know people that knew him best were kind of i think saying here this wasn't adding up in a lot of ways right and i think him committing well him supposedly from what we know right now committing suicide like would say to me all indications are that like he's pretty torn up about what happened so for him to to your point for him to have this like positive attitude even around friends like i could see a serial killer killing his girlfriend and then going out like nothing else happened but for him to feel guilty enough to kill himself shows a level of non-psychopathy in the same way i don't know how else to put this but you know what i mean like there's this level of like self-awareness maybe in some sort of way empathy or whatever consequence if you will listen darren and i are not psychologists guys we're just or serial killers fans just like you and we're trying to make sense of all this that's what we need to say yes well (laughs) uh, uh, according to his suicide note zach spent nearly Fifteen hundred dollars on food, mm. drugs, and strippers during this time. Mm. One of his final acts, as revealed in his suicide note, was to cover himself in cigarette burns. He wrote that he had burned himself once for each year he had been a failure. 
God, if this oh, is Lord. true, this is fucking sad. His letter also expressed tremendous regret for the murder, stating, quote, I scared myself not only by the action of calmly strangling the woman I've loved for one and a half years, but by my entire lack of remorse. I've known for a, I've known forever how horrible, horrible a person I am, in parentheses, ask anyone, end parentheses. So this is why this doesn't make sense, because in the one thing he's saying lack of remorse... And on the other, on, on the other sense, he's this yeah. letter is showing his remorse, and again, that calmly strangling the woman seems just not. It just doesn't seem like doesn't add up to me. It doesn't add up in a lot of ways, but I do. You know, I think about PTSD and and how it manifests sure. itself. Sure, good point. And it certainly does manifest itself in severe amounts of shame. I mean, not even just you know that's not just from my my personal experience with people with PTSD. It's just kind of a known thing. So, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, we'll get into even more of these details, but um, you know, maybe he was truly just a very troubled, sad individual. You know? Yeah. No. That's and that's um, entirely possible. Entirely. For sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about voodoo because remember they they did move in above this voodoo spiritual temple. Voodoo is one of the oldest religions in existence, which I didn't even realize it is a religion. I didn't realize um, it that origin- either. Yeah, it originated in Africa, but is practiced throughout the world, often mixed with other religious traditions, especially Catholicism. Um, Belief and practice revolves around the mixing of energies of the universe with an omnipresent creator and energy which is manifested within ourselves. I mean, a lot of people kind of think about it as like, you know, stick a pin in a doll. That's what I think of when I think of voodoo. But it is actually a little bit more. Maybe that's like the caricature of it. But I do think, you know, and I think a lot of people have this idea of like Wiccas and witches and spiritual things. But it's so less about like pointy hats and frogs liver brood. I mean, there's I think that's like the movie version (laughs) of it. But I think voodoo falls in that category of like there is a spiritual religional practice about it, I guess. I don't, yeah. No, for sure. It's a very complicated religion without any sort of sacred text to go by, which is very different from a lot of religions. But in broad broad strokes, practitioners believe that by engaging in physical rituals, that's like praying and leaving an offering at an altar, they can combine their energy with God and the universe to influence the outside world. The Voodoo Spiritual Temple was founded by Priest Aswan and Priestess Miriam in 1990s, 1990. 1990. Um, so it's not old. <laughs> not to, so it's not old. Yeah, not, not that old, at least with this particular uh, temple. According to its website, the temple serves the purpose of conducting services of worship and petition for people of all races whose spiritual needs can be ministered through Afrocentric American voodooism, the grand spirits of New Orleans voodoo, and the great universal spiritual tradition. Okay. So that's a little bit of backstory the temple also serves to educate the community about voodoo as a spirituality and to dispel myths and misconceptions about the belief which i think i just pointed out uh you know being pins in dolls yeah and i imagine especially with something like voodoo and we talked a little bit about this with megan a few weeks ago about satanism and how Mm -hmm. like people confuse satanism kind of this with this worship of the devil with this atheism and it's not really about that and i do kind of want to just point out um that according to the website 
what you said, John, was that it is yeah. a, it conducts services of worship and vision for people of all races. So, you know, I, I, I think that that's really important because it seems to be whether, however we feel about voodoo, uh, I do appreciate the inclusionary part of it. You know, for sure. so much There's of that too. Yeah. so much of religion to me is very exclusionary of like you got to believe it, you got to believe other you're not this and this this seems more um, just open to me uh, at, at, from yeah. reading their website. So and you we all know how I feel about religion. So for me to say that I just think it's 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 a <laughs> kind of a positive thing, but there has, of course, yeah. been speculation in the media that Zach's brutal killing was somehow related to the practice of voodoo occurring in the temple beneath them. Again, that could be just proximity. That could just be, you know, just coincidental. Priestess Miriam had turned the entire first floor of the building into enormous, very, very beautiful, by the way, altar, where practitioners could come to worship pray, leave offerings, and obtain spiritual readings. Of course, it's not exactly a secret that practitioners believe voodoo can be used to do as harm as well as good, kind of those pin dolls that you were talking about. I think we view it as like this, uh, a way to do harm in a lot of ways. And it, 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 it's, yeah. it, perhaps Zach was influenced by dark forces to commit murder. After all, his note seems so conflicted and remorseful, which is highly unusual for someone who dismembers, seasons, garnishes, and cooks another person. That doesn't seem to have have anything to do with voodooism yeah yeah no totally <laughs> uh in, in from what i know now the temple remained at the rampart street address just until five years ago until 2016 when a massive fire destroyed the altar and most of the building priestess miriam mm. relocated to a new building down the street from the original location and is still very happy to conduct readings for practitioners and share her beliefs with curious tourists to this day She's super sweet. Um, <laughs> apparently, you know, we got Megan. Megan visited, um, and so don't believe anything John or I say. But if you're not going to trust us, trust <laughs> Megan. Uh, and according to Megan, she said that last time her and her husband Aaron were there, they spent like half an hour helping her fix her computer, which oh boy um, is adorable. Uh, and Megan, Megan's got to come on in a future episode to kind of go through that. That's but, right. You know, I think that's the thing. And what we were trying to say is that like Buddhism, Satanism, these things that appear in witchcraft you know seem to be so yeah. negative when actually it's it reminds me of like a big bouncer that you see at a club right you see this like six foot seven 300 pound dude <laughs> yeah. and you're like oh my god and they end up being like the biggest teddy bears of all time you know it's just yeah. like yep. this juxtaposition of thought and the apartment at 826 north rampart street is currently being leased by another practitioner who has turned it into a museum of the paranormal and gives tours of the apartment where the murder took place now that's sort of the end of this saga from what we know but we just thought kind of thought this was a very disturbing story uh it doesn't end with a nice little button though unfortunately because it's pretty tragic it is really tragic um you know the other thing too I, i looked up his note as we were speaking as we were recording today's episode um, in the note as well, it says, quote, this is not accidental. I had to take my own life to pay for the one I took. And I don't know. That just makes me feel like maybe this was, you know, I don't know. It, you just wonder what the motive is, frankly. I mean, like, what is the motive here? Like, w- this guy was clearly troubled, whether it was because of, right. you know, his history in the military or not. The, you know, I hear somebody that <clears throat> is very... Um, for lack of a better word, fucked up, you know, and it's tragic and disturbing the way it all played out. But 
unfortunately that's how a lot of this stuff goes you know i don't know if we'll ever know all the exact details and it's really hard i mean it it could have been a complete coincidence with the voodooism who knows you know any sort of sacrificial whatever but i think there's so many factors to play a part in and i'm not even sure like i want to say that bozak and addy are sort of victims in some way but it's but it's unclear and i don't know what kind of went down between them but i think it's just kind of like this tragic case of uh, just, just tragic, uh, in a, in a lot of ways. And so, um, it's just disturbing. You know what? Yeah. I, I was just thinking, I wish that when we were in new Orleans, we would have done more of this stuff when we were there, Darren, obviously we were at crime con and we were working and I remember being excited cause I got five minutes to go out and hang with you beyond <laughs> crime con. But, um, you know, these tours are another thing. Like, they sound kind of insensitive whenever you first hear about them. Like, take a tour of the murder where the, all these murders happen. But there is a sense where it's like, well, it is historic. You know, news went down here. You know, someone's life was taken. And I think we all have that curiosity in our heads, especially as true crime fans, of like right. how it went down. And, and, and I think in a respectful way. You know what I mean? So I would like to do one of those one day. I really would. And yeah, I, I really would. I got to talk to Megan about her. I got yeah, to dive in more knows. with Megan about uh, visiting this place. Because <laughs> I just love that the editor was like, we tried to fix her computer for 30 minutes. And I'm like, that's so yeah. real. Like, that's just so real. Um, well, when Megan's on in a future episode, we got to ask her about this one for y- sure. Yes, absolutely. But a little bit of a shorter case with definitely a disturbing narrative all, all throughout. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let us know what you thought about this case. Hit us up on social media at J Thrasher Carpe Darren. You can hit us up in our Facebook group. Uh, we're on Patreon. But before we get to anything else, Darren, let's get right into our listener shout outs this week. They were kind of fun ones. Yes. Jacqueline in our Facebook group says, oh, my God, for anyone who watched I'll Be Gone in the Dark, there was a new episode out. John Thrasher, another series I'd love for you guys to cover on the podcast with John. That's a mm. fucking fantastic idea, especially since you mm-hmm. you basically solved the case calling that he was a cop. <laughs> uh, true. Well, listen, um, I didn't solve it but yeah you, okay, you helped you helped sweetie helped. um yeah. i jacqueline thank you so much because i loved i'll be gone yeah. in the dark i thought it was i was gonna say you loved it i yeah. thought it was just so incredible and just like that to me was the type of case um along with uh what what was it about the cats documentary what the hell was it called uh like i'll murder your cat oh 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 what the, i'm blanking on the don't name. don't fuck with don't cats, fuck with cats. it, it kind of yeah. just goes to show these for lack of a better term, sort of armchair detectives that if like enough will and <laughs> yeah. enough time, you can kind of solve a case, hopefully. But uh, I am so stoked, Jacqueline. I'm going to be watching the new episode. And I think, John, it's it's worth to, to cover it. We should. Why not? We've been doing, we've had fun and you guys have really seemed to like our coverage of documentaries. So we're going to probably add that to our queue. So thank you so much, Jacqueline, for that one. Um, Hannah on Patreon, Darren, DM'd us uh, a few weeks ago, and I was messaging with her. She had something really nice to say that, and I asked her if I could share this, and she said she didn't mind at all. She said, quote, also, I just wanted to let you and Darren know that you guys are the best. I've been recently seeing a therapist for gender dysmorphia and trans-related issues, and when I listened to Shaken and Disturbed and Martinis and Murder before that, I've always felt so seen and so validated, and I just can't thank you guys enough for that. 
And it really warmed my heart, especially during Pride Month, uh, to hear that from our listeners. So thank you so much, Anna, for sharing that with us. And and I just, um, this isn't a, a mistake. I think you said gender dysmorphia, but it's dysphoria. But I think that was just uh, a, oh, a, a brain fart. So yeah. we just, I, th- no, no, no shade. We just uh, misspoke on that one, Hannah. But literally, we, yeah, my bad. We, uh, <laughs> thank you so much. I mean, John and I are really, we always just try and we just want to be respectful and empathetic and, and have a good time and also just kind of understand to everyone we understand that all of you out there individuals we take the time to really try and um appreciate every single one of you we really value you and absolutely especially the victims that we cover and people going through everything but you always have john and i to talk to about anything you guys are going to that goes for all of our listeners like you want to you want to you want to dm john and i just to chat or you're feeling down like we will be your biggest champions because you guys have been the biggest (laughs) champions for us i think i can speak for john when i say that and so yes you may yes um, yes. hannah you know i try to we're happy that you reached out thank you Yes, and good luck in your journey, because I'm sure that's not an easy journey to go down, um, that's for sure. Also, I try to get to as many DMs as I can. My Instagram is blowing up on a daily basis, as I'm sure yours is, Darren, on even more than mine. So hit us up on Patreon. Darren, tell everybody, because that's where I can kind of manage this. You know what I'm saying? Like, Patreon, I can jump in and see, like, who is actually messaging Well, and I like this, like, other family we've also had sort of on Patreon. I know, right? We got the Facebook and we got the Patreon, which I really like. And don't forget, (laughs) you know, we've mentioned this every sort of episode, but you can get 15% off our Patreon if you subscribe annually. No monthly billing. You just subscribe for a year up front. You get everything we've already posted and everything to come. It's an amazing deal. New episodes, bonus content, access to our Mm -hmm. Exclusive mm-hmm. live streams where you can chat with us, dick pics from John, boob pics from me. Um, <laughs> it's super cheap and helps support the show. Oh Patreon.com slash shaken and disturbed. I didn't pro- I didn't did, overpromise there, did I, John? No. I didn't well, overpromise. I'm just wondering if I just became a sex worker by that and uh, that little throw. There are worse so, things to be than that, as we've discussed on this show. So all that's I'm true. saying I, is I don't mind. Yeah, it's okay. Listen, Patreon one day, OnlyFans the next. That's all I can say it's about baby that. Steps. Sweetie, it's baby steps. But uh, (laughs) thank you all so much again for the Father's Day wishes, and we will see you all (laughs) next week on another episode of Shaken and Disturbed.